Welcome back to another episode of Working Class Fishing Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Brian. Somewhere in the grand world of everything is Mr. John Morris. He'll be piping up here. And today's guest hails from the land down under from Sydney, Australia, New South Wales. I should add that in there too, because a lot of people think, oh, Sydney's just in Australia, but it's actually a part of New South Wales. His name's Mick. He has a YouTube channel called Bush Fish and Cook, and he is living in the future right now. So while it's Saturday here, it's Sunday where Mick's at. So I got Saturday evening, John's got Saturday evening, and Mick has Sunday morning. So Mick, we really appreciate it. No worries. Glad to be here, mate. Dude, uh, that is a significant time difference. Uh, I think I was in the same time zone as you in 2011. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Dude, but thank you for real, Mick, for coming on, man. We appreciate no, no you taking time out of your out of your morning. No, all good. No drama at all, mate. So I uh, wonder if we should tell some folks about our sponsors before we kick this one off, because uh, we got a whole bunch of new stuff here. Not to minimize having you on here, Mick, we appreciate your time, but we are actually adding sponsors to the podcast, and John's got some good stuff over here. So hand it yeah. over to John for that one. Yeah, everybody. So this episode is brought to you by Trotlander Nets, exploration through innovation, custom-made nets out of South Carolina, Max and Outfitters, made by anglers for people that fish, based out of Kent, Washington, and Lid Rig, use your head, snip different. That's our dude, Scott Wilday. Um, we'll be linking in our show notes, all of our discounts and stuff through them. Go check out our sponsors and uh, let them know we sent you. All right. So getting back to Mick here. Uh, Mick, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I, I told everybody where you're from, the fact that you're in the future, everything else. But tell us a little bit about yourself, just to, just as the dude, uh, Bush Fishing Cook. Well, look, I run my own handyman business here in Australia. Um, basically, you know, I do a lot of um, small repairs for people, replacing doors and things like that. And in my spare time, if I'm not working, you can imagine I'm fishing. That's, that's my passion. That's my hobby. And basically, you know, the rod comes with me every day to work, finish work for the day. And a lot of the time I'll find the nearest bit of water and chuck a line in, hope for the best. Always take my camera with me everywhere. So we're constantly trying to film for videos. And there's some actual, a lot of footage that I've made up and we haven't got anywhere with it. We've caught maybe one fish. So we always chuck them together as a bit of a mashup here and there. But yeah, basically, I. I'll chase uh, Aussie bass here, uh, trout. They're mainly the things here. I like the freshwater species. I've just always been a freshwater guy. Um, we're trying to mix it up lately, more for the viewers, trying to do a bit of saltwater stuff. And I know a lot of people over your way have not seen some of our saltwater species because I posted a video not long ago. We had a, a flathead and a lot of people was like, oh, what type of flatfish is that? So obviously you have a similar species, but uh, it's always good to see some new species. I enjoy watching a lot of YouTube myself and seeing like, oh, I've never seen that fish before. And, you know, it's always good to watch from around the world, I find anyway. But yeah, that's basically me. I mean, a lot of trout fishing lately. We're coming into our colder season. So trout are the ones on the bite. And you'll see a bit of salt water, a bit of trout fishing if you check out my channel, basically. A couple of bass here and there further back as we warm back up again after winter. We'll be chasing some of them bass again and hopefully beating the personal best of I think a 43 centimeter. So uh, our bass here get maximum 65 centimeters and not quite as big as your large mouth, unfortunately. Probably not as aggressive either. But yeah, that's a bit about me. I was uh, just going to say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, dude. I bet that's hey, right. kind of fun though. Uh, that, that's going on my list now, Australian bass. Oh, yeah. They're, they're an interesting fish. I mean, they're they are aggressive and at times they will be just as aggressive as the largemouth because I watch a lot of videos from over there and you guys targeting largemouth and stuff. And it's like, you, you think sometimes our bass aren't as aggressive, but then all of a sudden on the right day, big lure will still get their attention. Um, I have a video up. It's the first time I went searching for Murray cod in my local river. Well, on camera anyway, I've tried a few times off camera. 
But um, basically in that video, I use a Whopper Plopper, which is a, a lure you guys use a lot over there. And no one yeah. here really uses them. And I thought, hey, something different might wake up one of these cod. But on that day, the bass was switched on and these weren't even half the size they can grow to. And they were hitting a big surface lure designed for, you know, some big fish. So they can get aggressive. It just needs to be the right day. Dude, whopper ploppers catch fish. <laughs> I don't care what it is. Yeah, damn whopper plopper. So that's interesting to me because, you know, growing up as a kid, I'm sure that you guys did uh, school projects on like the Northern Hemisphere, like, you know, North America, South America, those, those types of things. And we did projects on Australia and we never yep. had any idea that, you know, our teachers are like, oh yeah, there's crocodiles and kangaroos, and, uh, you know, all the stock standard stuff. And I'm sure it's like, yeah, there's buffalo and antelope in America, you know, I mean, yeah, uh, but, but yeah, yeah, yeah. We got alligators and all kinds of stuff and, and it's all regionally based, but uh, as you start digging more into sport fishing in Australia, because what turned me on to Australia, and I'll just fill this in, I started looking at like, Tasmania has a really similar climate to where I'm from in the Pacific Northwest. It's not like raging hot or any, you know, it's temperate, rainy. I was like, get a fish you guys got there. Before the show, we were talking about some of those different fish and, and there's some uh, similarities. Maybe we'll move on to that, but you guys have a lot of fish species in Australia. Um, you're you're talking about like uh redfin perch and and murray cod stuff like that but um outside of that like do you guys have any other pro prolific species that you know and trout and all that that a lot of people don't know about like they'd be like what is that there's uh one fish back in it's in one of my shorts also in my 500 um special it's called a macquarie perch now even a lot of people from here don't even know about the species at all like there's been people that are pretty well-known fishermen in a way like they they go fishing every weekend and that's they fish fresh water and i've told them oh you know like they're they're starting a new dam up and they're going to start breeding macquarie perch in big numbers because the numbers in the wild are low and they're trying to bring them back so basically i said oh have you heard about this dam my friend said oh no what is a macquarie perch he said is isn't that just a bass and I said, no, it's a completely different species. So it's similar to a bass, but it's very dark and basically blackish in color. Sometimes can be silver still, so they can vary depending on the water they're coming from. And uh, basically that's, they were a very interesting species. They can get, I think about 35, 40 centimeters up to 45 max. And I mean, there's something that even people here don't know much about. And their numbers really struggled after carp got, came here, like carp are another pest we have a problem with, European carp. Um, they were brought here to eat mosquito fish, which were a pest that was also introduced here. So we thought we'd bring another pest to get rid of them and caused more problem in the long run. These guys, the carp, people think that carp here aren't such a problem. They've actually started letting people release them into our waterways. Uh, and uh, it's, you know, if you catch one, it's now up to you whether or not you let it go in New South Wales. Victoria is different. They, you can't let a carp go. It has to come out of the water. Um, here it's your choice. My choice is to remove all pests. Um, I don't want any pests in the waterway, basically. I know what they do. I've seen how aggressive they can be. And people think, oh, it's a carp. They, they eat vegetation because they've got a sort of a sucking mouth on them that looks like a bottom feeder. But they actually eat like fingerling and that, like in stocked places where it's like, oh, we'll put a bunch of you know new, new bass here. Well, there's no point because you've got a whole lake full of carp. They're going to eat them. And People think, oh, they're not an aggressive fish, but they are. And that's what happened to a lot of our Macquarie perch. There's something that they are trying to rise the numbers up now, but the way to do it, they're basically having to empty dams so that there is no other species in that dam. They're filling it up with Macquarie perch. They're letting them get big and they're releasing the big, um, fully grown ones back into the river system, basically. So, so nothing else can eat them. I mean, mm -hmm. it's a bit of a drama with the pests that we have here. So... Uh, that's that's probably the main one you might have seen before um, golden perch as well we call them yellow belly here so a lot of people here know about them but a lot of people overseas probably don't know much about them and basically wherever you can find a murray cod you can usually find a yellow belly or golden perch so yeah a couple of cool species i mean there's plenty more but i don't want to take up all the time talking about all the fish species we've got here <laughs> dude it's fascinating to me it's like national geographic so by all means I, i'm just like okay i'm gonna check this one out this one out this one out it's super cool 
it's yeah, it, you guys have plenty of species too you know what i mean like, oh yeah oh, oh yeah <laughs> I, I watch your like a lot of your videos you know and like guys that fish over there as well and sometimes like i thought oh i've seen the end of it and then someone just pulls out something completely different and i'm like <laughs> wow like does the list ever end over there you definitely have more species i think fresh water than what we do um we might have we might have close to, but I think a lot of our species are those smaller sort of fish in the 10 centimeter range that you're obviously not really going to target them. Sometimes we might in the future just to show the species, like there's a few species I've thought of targeting. They grow maximum 15 centimeters, but that's just to show people that they're out there in the creeks and things. That would be really cool to see though. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so, definitely. I mean, oh, you go. I, I was going to ask you about... Uh, you were talking about fish and whopper ploppers. Is there um is there a large difference between the the Australian market for baits than there are here in the US? I mean, that's probably a hard question, not being no, no, from here, but no, no, actually, because I've I've seen lures you guys use, like we call them lures, you call them baits usually. I've noticed. Um basically I see people use stuff over there and I ask hey what's that called and i try and find it here and we don't have it and it's like i really want that because like some of the lures you guys have and probably same way around like you look at us and go hey what's that like i was telling people about a thing we use here for trout called a tasmanian devil now yeah. that's basically it's basically a spoon but it's not a spoon it's a it's a strange plastic tube with wings on it that sort of cuts back and forward through the water like this our trout love them and i thought if you guys could get your hands on them, it'd be awesome to see how they go over there. You know what I mean? Because you just don't use them. So we do. Um, we have a different variant. Uh, ah. Now, now uh, there there are a couple of guys. So we have a local lake. The guys troll them behind their boat and they just destroy stocked rainbows on them. Just destroy. I haven't bought yeah. them yet, but something similar to it. This is uh, what we call a birdie drifter and that camera sucks. But see how it's got those wings on it? Yep. You basically, you thread your line through it and it spins through the current that it's similar to that, that Tasmanian devil, except this is foam filled. So you have to add lead and it kind of free drifts. It's a steelhead fishing thing. And we also got the spinning glow too. And, and they both kind of remind me of a hybrid of those two, uh, uh, of that bait, but interesting. I mean, that that's super cool, but yeah, continue on with that because I was just thinking of has like, I, I looked at him after you said that and I was like, those are freaking cool. They, they are a cool lure. I've never really caught much on them. I've, I've hooked up the fish, but I've dropped them. And, you know, I've seen people get some really good trout on them, though. But like you said, I think it's more of a stocked thing as well. Like if you use them, I was saying before, we don't really have um, wild trout here. But it's not true because I've proved lately, if um, anyone wants to go look at some of my recent videos, um, we've actually caught trout here that have definitely bred in the wild. Now, there's a clear difference between a wild trout and a stock trout. And that's that on a stock trout, the tail is usually smooth and looks like uh, basically any other fish. It just follows up the same pattern down as it does up. So mm. when you're looking at that, it's like now you look at a wild trout and it almost looks like something's taken a bite out of their top fin because they actually have a, a segmented shaped fin, not mm -hmm. a smooth fin. So yep. that's, I mean, we caught a trout, uh, I think two videos back. He was only 10 centimeters long and he had that wild trout tail so there's no other explanation of where it came from other than they are finding a way to breed here in the creeks without going into the brackish water and all of that they have somehow bred back up in our dams in the creeks or something like that and people say it's not even possible but there's no other way to explain catching wild trout dude and you know a lot of them probably have par marks a lot of your juvenile wilds probably have par marks and like you're saying just really nice fins you know yeah. i mean you can you can have stock fish with good you know quote good fins but wild fish they've always not always but just about you can tell just from the fins that that is indeed a wild fish so i'd be yeah. keen to see that dude and yeah, i bet I, I bet they are also like reproducing i, I bet you have wild trout they have been stocked here in that one dam that fed them into our river. I believe they've been in that dam for over 70 years. Wow. So, so during that time, you think they would have found a wow. new way to keep their population going. I mean, how else would there still be trout alive? They never restocked the dam, nothing. Mm -hmm. And now 
70 years later, basically. Sorry, I could be wrong. It could be more, it could be a little less, but basically we're getting trout feeding into our river when that dam floods. So they have to be breeding there or they're living to a, a very um, long age somehow, which I obviously <laughs> don't believe is happening. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, go ahead. Man. Go. No, no, I was no, just no, going to no. say that um, basically that dam is the same dam that the redfin perch that uh, they're moving up and down through creeks that run out the back there. And basically they're, they're probably one of our biggest pests here that people see no problem with. I mean, most people catch them and they just chuck it straight back. And that's the law you are allowed. Um, but it's obviously advisable to remove them. And they're an aggressive fish. Like you guys have the perch over there, I believe, mm -hmm. maybe yellow. Oh, they're the same exact. Yeah, yellow. Yeah. It's, called, yeah, it's that's the same I mean. thing as a redfin. Yeah. Yeah. And basically, um, like, because that's a European perch and they school yep. up in huge numbers. I've seen them in the thousands. Now, what you know, um, then we're stocking places that have these with uh, trout fingling that are maybe three, four centimeters long. What, what is the point in putting, you know, a couple of hundred little trout like that in the middle of a school of 2000 redfin? They won't even make it past the school and they'll all be gone. Like I've wait, caught wait. redfin and they are full to the brim in their stomach of baby trout like that. And it's like, we stock some dams and lakes around the area on the other side of the mountains, basically to have you know, those trout fishing areas because they weren't a native species here. And um, yeah, just very strange. So, so what a lot of that boils down to is, is piss poor fish and wildlife management. I don't know if you guys call them game wardens, you know, but the uh, people that man fisheries, fisheries. Okay. So, so the people in fisheries there, we would call it fish and wildlife here or parks and wildlife where John's at or whatever yep. else there. Yep they're not using the gray matter up here that they went to college to get all those fancy biology degrees. You would think that there would be something to that effect of like, Hey, you know what? We have this invasive predatory species. Let's go dump a bunch of food in the lake for them and let's help them out. Instead, uh, what they should be doing is they should be looking at species that are predatory towards those fish and put a few of those in there. Like, you're talking about the trout breeding that came out of the hatchery and it's in, and, and it happens here all the time. I, I believe it happens in John's neck of the woods. Uh, depends on the, the strain. Uh, we have what we call triploid, which they are sterile. They can still spawn, but they're sterile. So nothing, they fire blanks basically. Um, yeah. But then, then your stock standard rainbow trout, you know, they can spawn and they'll reproduce and everything else. And they've done that with all of the, the trout because they don't want them co-mingling with the wild trout here. Uh, yeah. but we can still put hatchery trout out there, but, uh, where we have had big numbers of, you guys call them redfin perch, uh, yep. they started actually in lakes in my neck of the woods, putting tiger muskie, which is a cross between a Northern pike and a muscalunge. You want to talk about a mean ass fish? It'd probably get, I mean, a croc would chomp it. No problem. That's but one but, of my yeah, favorite you, fish. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, um, if they if they brought tiger muskie, it would be a, a, a tough balance to strike. So you have to have some type of sterile predatory fish that can just go devour. And then that turns into a sport fishery for those fish too. So on that line, that's what they've actually tried to do now. Or this is what they're telling me. So what they've introduced here that only they could legally introduce apparently was um, what we call a tiger trout. You call them that as well, I believe, a cross between a brook trout and a brown trout. Yeah. So that okay. we've stocked a few lakes with them now, and that apparently is because they're fish eaters. They're supposed to be known as fish eaters mm -hmm. anyway. Um, so they put them into the lakes that have uh, a lot of redfin and things like that in the hopes that they're going to eat the redfin. I mean, it's a good hope, but at the same time, I think being an aggressive fish eater, every time they now try and put new other fish species in, those trout are just going to eat them as well. Like, um, yeah. it's going to do a good thing, but it's going to take years if anyone actually thinks we're going to be able to fight these pest problems we have here. Because with people putting them back and fisheries saying, oh, it's okay now to put them back, to me, it's a massive problem. Like, I'm looking at some of these dams. Uh, there's one video I cut out half of the footage because it was just absolutely ridiculous catching redfin at Lake Oberon. Now, mm -hmm. I could cast a spinner out there. Obviously, I was trying to target some trout because it's known for its big trout. Casting a spinner out, count a three in my head and just pull hard on the rod like to set a hook without even knowing there's a fish there and without fail every single time there was a fish there. 
Like, wow. and this is Redfin. And this is casting the exact same spot. I'm not even talking about moving my cast. You know, I'm casting straight every time. Not, oh, I'll try here and then I'll try over there. No, this is the same exact location. And this is something <laughs> like 50 fish in a row. And people don't understand how bad of a pest they are when they're breeding in those numbers. It's mm -hmm. clear that they could become a massive, massive problem. Um, we have some unique uh, crayfish species here. And basically once the redfin get to my side of the mountains, uh, I'm gonna say that that species of crayfish might as well be extinct because redfin are a species that will travel up into creeks. And these species only live in these couple of creeks that flow from the mountains into our side of the river. Once the redfin find them, that's it. There's a whole species gone because someone didn't want to do something about a pest species that should have been done years ago. They say they don't stock them even, but you can't tell me you don't stock a species and they have appeared in every single dam basically in Australia almost now. There's more dams that all of a sudden someone's like, hey, there's redfin here now. I don't think it's actually fishermen doing it. I believe it's actually fisheries. And whether they want to argue the point or not, I really, there's, they're the same people almost behind the fish kills in Parramatta that are saying, hey, too much rain's killing the fish. Well, these are the same people saying, hey, we're not stocking carp and we're not stocking redfin, but uh, new waterways that are being created, you go there and you look and they're full of carp. Well, there was no water there before. You have just dug this out, made a concrete canal of water, and next minute there's, it's full of carp with nothing joining to it. How, how do they just appear there, you know? This is yeah. like telling me that a metre-long fish is just appearing in thin air. No, someone has put them there and more than likely it's fisheries because they, they look, carp at the end of the day, they are a cleaner type fish as well. And I think that's why they think, oh, we'll put them in here and it'll keep the water clean. But they don't because they actually stir the bottom up looking for food. That's, yeah. They do have a sucker mouth and they go around basically ripping up soil. They undercut banks and things like that. I know one bloke lost a couple of hundred metres off his property basically in the last floods because the carp have been spending how long tunnelling out underneath the back of his property through, and a whole bunch of his property just fell into the river. And that's because they undercut the bank and people are like, there's no problem with them, but they don't see these problems, I suppose. Mm. Mick, so what, <clears throat> I guess the get on your YouTube some, I mean, your handle is Bush, Bush Fish and Cook. And I was watching some of your stuff earlier. Dude, you've got a lot of really cool stuff going on. You want to tell people kind of about what you're doing on there? Uh, yeah. Um, so, I mean, basically there's some local rivers to myself um, and there's some fish species that have, basically people have taken photos of these fish species and they tell me that they live there. And they say, hey, look, I've caught this massive fish and, you know, it's, it's here. We've caught it. Uh, I've got a photo so I can prove it. But what's not to say someone's taken a photo of something they caught somewhere else and said, hey, look, I've caught it here. That's, that's simple to make a background up or carry a fish somewhere else and take a photo of it. So basically on my channel, um, there's these few species that basically I'm trying to prove live in these waterways where people say that they don't live. Um, the other thing that I like to do on my channel is uh, be a big part of helping remove pest species here. I mean, on my own, I'm not gonna be able to accomplish much, but taking 300 fish out of a lake over a weekend, I mean, felt like something, you know what I mean? We dug that many holes and had to bury 300 fish and these are all pest species and you watch then turn around and see some guy catching them one after the other and he's just chucking them back. And it's like, man, what are you doing? Like our native species need to run. And that's, that's what I like here is our native species. And I usually target them. If we're not targeting natives in freshwater. Then we do do a bit of saltwater. Uh, today will be the third time out into the salt. So hopefully we can make something of that after, after this podcast will be going out to film. So yeah, basically that's, that's about the channel pretty much searching for fish in waterways that shouldn't be there apparently. And um, just trying to show some cool species that also people haven't seen. I've gone after something called a Macquarie perch we we're talking about earlier. Um, got one of them on footage because a lot of people, they see that species and they don't know what it is. And unfortunately that doesn't help for a threatened species that's on its way to endangerment. Basically um, people are sometimes catch this fish and they may take it home for a feed because they just don't know. They've never seen one. Um, so yeah, basically I like to just try and help get information out. And as I grow, I'd like to just keep trying to find out new information and basically share it with people so they can get a better idea of, Hey, what are these pest species actually doing here? How did they get here? 
and how much problems do they actually cause? Because a lot of people, like I said, they sit back and they think, ah, it's just another fish. Like it's not going to cause a problem. Yeah, but a lot of people don't see it because, you know, as a, the younger generation, especially, they're obviously, they've grown up in a different time and they're not going to see, oh, when I was growing up, you know, you'd go down the river and some of the bass we would catch were huge. There'd be massive bass down there. Now the carp have taken over a lot of this uh, space and, you know, you can't catch the bass you used to catch in our river. They've, they've dropped off by at least 10 to 15 centimetres from what they were sort of maximum growing and they're finding new areas to go. So they're trying to run up away from all the carp and basically it's very hard for them because the numbers are just increasing on carp every year. So basically just like to really help out the native species, help get rid of a few pests, obviously, and search for some of them fish that people haven't seen or some of them fish that people think aren't there, but possibly are there. We're not sure yet. We'll, we'll get to that and see if they really are or not. <laughs> mm -hmm. what, what's your no. favorite? Oh, go ahead, Brian. No, no, go ahead, John. It, it, it wouldn't be an episode of working class fishing if we didn't talk about food. You went so, right where I was going to go. Yeah, dude. So what is your favorite way to prepare some of these fish that you're uh, catching? Uh, we'll say like trout usually, see a lot of people here, they just smoke trout. That's all they do with them. I'm not a fan of smoked food at all, really, to be honest. So we actually go a different way and cook trout in the oven. We usually marinate them for 24 hours um, with like sweet soy sauce and stuff to sweeten the meat up, basically a bit of brown sugar, a um, couple of other spices we usually chuck in, just depending on what we're feeling at the time. But yeah, most fish um, I either cook in the oven or in the pan. And usually most of it I will marinate for 24 hours, sort of give it a bit of extra flavor. Um, uh, but there is other species like salt water a lot of the time. You find that I'm happy to catch one of them, basically fillet it and chuck it straight in the pan like that, like fresh is best half the time. But it can depend on the species, like depends what you're eating. Um, like there's people here, they eat our pest species. I mean, redfin is good eating, but I've mm -hmm. seen people eat carp. And if anyone on my channel is waiting for me to eat a carp or try a carp, I can tell you now I'm not going to be trying a carp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you might as well eat mud from what I've heard. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, you know, I've had grass carp and it was actually really good. Now, that being said, it was marinated and it was smoked. So yep. if you marinate and smoke anything, it tastes good. Just is what it is. But it actually was a really good meat. I was really surprised. But man, what a pain to clean. What a pain. You know, they're, they're kind of like, yeah, you know. Uh, I, I'd much rather, you know, like we have channel catfish, I'd much rather eat a channel catfish or a walleye or a perch, you know, one of those other freshwater species before I'd eat a carp. And uh, yeah. Just... <laughs> yeah. So you can see where I'm coming from. I mean, most carp species are pretty similar. They're very bony. They feed off the bottom most of the time. So definitely not the best eating. But we have yeah. plenty of nice eating fish here, that's for sure. And one thing I want to do in the future, even if I have to go back out west and Possibly, I think the closest place to me is about two and a half hours away from two hours, 45 minutes to actually catch Murray cod where I know that they are. And there are species that I still want to try. I've been told they taste like crayfish because that's their main diet. So, mm -hmm. I mean, crayfish are very good eating. So something I'm keen to do in the future is definitely do a few more cookups and try a few more species, maybe try a few more different recipes just to show people how we can cook fish um, different ways and so on. Now, it's, go ahead, John. Uh, I was just going to say, do you so do you have any other wild forage uh, in Australia that you guys are, you know, able to just pick up and maybe uh, cook with your fish or however, or just make a meal out of it? What was that? Sorry. <clears throat> do you have any other wild forage that you guys uh, harvest to uh, cook up? Like we've got uh, like ranch and a lot of different mushrooms and stuff here. Do you guys have anything like that there? Um, I'd say in certain areas, yes. And it's something that I'd like to show more on my channel in the future too. Uh, I do have a few like um, what we call bush tucker books. So the Aboriginal people of Australia, the native people, they, you know, they cook a lot with like um, a lot of bush fruits and uh, bush herbs, basically. Now I've seen a few people doing it lately and that's something I'll go into in the future, I think. Um, trying to do like some similar stuff like you're saying, uh, stuff you can find out there and just cook with it. 
Uh, we're going to do some like catch, cook and camp type videos in the future when it warms back up next year. The idea is go camp out somewhere, catch the fish on site and cook it over the fire, um, you know, with some things we can find around. And yeah. That's, that's exactly what I'm looking forward to. Uh, is when, when I found your channel originally, I'm like, okay, bush fish and cook, is this guy domestic? Or, you know, and then you find out that you're Australian. I start watching the videos and doing all that kind of stuff. And then it was like, Oh, dude, he's like in some actually pretty wild places. And, and, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of different, there's a lot of biodiversity where you're at. And then you started actually catching, keeping cooking. I was like, okay, this guy's cool. You know, because uh, so much today in that whole culture, a lot of people are catching release, which is fine. You can catch and release. But uh, it seems to me like more people are like, you know what, I actually want to try that and keep it and but I don't know what to do with it. And so that that makes it Oh, that's true. Definitely. You, you have that all the time. You know, a lot of people catching species and then they think, yeah, it'd be easier probably just to let it go because I don't know what I'm doing or, you know, if you can watch a few people like cook these things and some of them are way more simple than you'd ever think. Like redfin perch, I'd never given them a go. Everyone always said they were tasty. Uh, I actually didn't know that we had any of that local to home. I knew um, down in Victoria, they have heaps of redfin in a lot of lakes there, but we don't have as many here. And so I thought, let's go for the travel. Let's have a look and see how hard this fish is actually to cook up. Cause people were trying to say, Oh, they're very bony. And actually I find redfin perch, one of the easiest freshwater fish to gut and, you know, get a boneless fillet and skinless mm -hmm. than most species than most species we have around. And it's like, well, very funny because a lot of people try and tell you how difficult it is. Maybe they just want to eat them all to themselves. Who knows? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Good possibility. Never know. So I'm still trying to wrap my mind a little bit around what are some of the baits that or lures that we have that you do want to get your hands on? Uh, just trying to think that there was definitely a couple of um, some of those swim baits you guys have that are actually like a they're a soft plastic, I believe, but they look like a small fish. So there was something that I seen someone using looks like a bluegill. And basically it's a soft plastic though. Now I have a bluegill swim bait that's hard body, but we don't sell that sort of stuff here either. I've ordered a few lures from offline that have come from overseas. So some people also, I think that entices people when looking at my channel, they see me open up my tackle box and they're like, where did you get that from? Because I order a lot of stuff from overseas that people haven't seen here because I like to sort of challenge myself. And also, you know, if everyone just uses the same lure, then the fish are going to get used to it and they do in certain lakes you know you can use the one lure for a while but you'll find then nothing's happening you go back to that lake the next day and you try similar lures again and nothing happens you just swap lure all of a sudden to something completely different and the fish come back on and so they learn you know what i mean people don't understand how smart fish actually are but they are smart they do learn mm -hmm. well and and some of those uh, baits that you're using there we don't have access to and uh, but but I mean, if, if you were going to pick one bait that you don't have access to that you would like to get your hands on, which one do you think it would be like from the States or somewhere else? That would actually be from over where you guys are. I can't remember the exact name of it, but it was some sort of uh, crawler or something, I believe, possibly made by Berkeley or something. It was uh, looks like a crayfish and it looks really, oh. really lifelike. I've uh, seen someone only using them once before. I can't remember what channel that was. But basically, it's a very, very good replica of a, of a crayfish. And we don't have them here. We have uh, things that look like prawns and things like that for the saltwater. But mm -hmm. as far as it comes to something that looks like a crayfish, or we actually call them yabbies here, um, that's, you know, you can't find anything like that here. You can find something that's half like it, but it's just not the same. It doesn't look lifelike enough for my liking. Uh, you mm -hmm. might have noticed, uh, I like to use a lot of like soft plastic bugs and things for trout on spinning gear no one else here really does that and you know people see me doing that and they're like what is that and i'm like essentially i'm buying flies for a fly rod but i'm fishing with such light gear on my rod that i can actually get a cast on it and like what i was fishing with the other day and people are like what actually was that and they wanted to know it was actually a soft plastic maggot which was a wet fly for fly fishing and I just cast that from my spinning reel basically and let it drift downstream. And as I go, I'll hold onto my line with my other hand and 
basically pull on that line to flick it like a fly and get it moving in the water. So it's a new technique that sort of, I've seen people do fly fishing from a spinning reel with a float before, a clear float. Yeah. But this is more something that I've sort of just started making up myself. And it's like the best way to do it, I find myself if I can stand in a stream and I will, I think I was talking to you guys about it earlier, I'll actually put a fly on, like a dry fly on my spinning reel with nothing else, just the fly. And I'll let that hit the surface and I'll have my drag quite loose and I'll feed it out with the drag, like just feeding line out of my hand. And if something grabs it, I'll just tighten the drag with my hand quickly and pull back and fish on. So, you know, different <laughs> techniques definitely get I, different different reactions. That's unreal, dude. That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that is so cool. My, my video cut out like yeah. 10 minutes ago. So <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. At least we can still hear you. Yeah. So what, what are you guys targeting later when you're getting out on the salt, dude? Uh, more likely going to target some brim. So not sure if you guys know what that is, but if, if you basically, I'd say it's like a saltwater version of a bass in a way, like very similar looking um, fish, a lot deeper sort of body. Um, they can get, when I say bigger, not so much longer than a bass, but they can get very solid and have some weight behind them. Other than that, probably some... Flathead, I was speaking about them earlier. So you guys would just call them a flatfish or something like that. Basically, they're shape of a, I suppose, the shape of a small crocodile in a way. Even people call them lizards here as a nickname because <laughs> that's, their sort, that's the shape in a way, basically, as a lizard with no legs. And they're very similar to that. Uh, they can get over a meter. So something that I'd like to catch another one of because I've never caught a big one like that on video before. I've caught one just over a meter. Um, a few years back, but that was on a fishing charter. So we're heading to that similar sort of area today. So the chances are, <laughs> fingers crossed, we might be able to get a nice big fish on the film. Um, other than that, you know, there's multiple saltwater species out there that'll eat what we're using. But today I'm going to try some more saltwater lure fishing, something I've never done much of. I've only ever caught, I think I told everyone I've never caught a fish on a lure saltwater, but that was actually a lie. On the charter, I caught one flathead and I had no idea what I was really doing, but back then, this was a few years back, and it was more just luck because everyone was doing probably better than me, and I was just mucking around with the rod and the soft plastic. And <laughs> somehow the flathead wanted to eat that. But anyway, something I want to get a bit more into is trying to do some saltwater lure fishing as well because I've been seeing more and more people do it, and it's just something I've never had much luck with. So I'm going to try a bit of that out while we have a bait rod out at the same time today. How long have you been fishing? How long have I been fishing? Yeah. Uh, I've been fishing since I was a kid. We used to go out. See, that was the thing. When I was younger, we only ever really went for the one species mainly though. So from say four years old, even my pop used to take me away with him and we'd go out and try and catch Murray Cod. But where we went, there was more golden perch or yellow belly as we call them here. So we'd usually catch a fair few of them, you know, go out for about three or four days and some sometimes come home with like 15 fish or something. And that was where I caught my first cod. I think I was about eight years old when I caught my first and only Murray cod. So somewhere I'd like to go back to in the future. There's been some big fish being pulled there now. I mean, this was how many years ago? Now I'm 30. So back then, the first cod I caught was maybe 50 centimetres or something. And I never even got to try it because they have a legal limit, obviously, here. So mm. he had to go back. Um, so the idea is to hopefully get back out there, catch one over 65 centimetres and be able to do a catch and cook with a Murray cod. Um, but yeah, basically that was all we targeted when I was a kid. And then oh, on the odd um, chance I could, I'd go out and maybe take some worms or some bread and we'd catch some mullet in the local river. So mm -hmm. that was more just, you know, mucking around, not, not really knowing exactly what I was doing. And even now, I wouldn't say I 100% know what I'm doing. I'm not <laughs> a professional fisherman. I mean, I'm learning things as I go. But um, I'm sure I've showed people a few different techniques that they've never seen before, like the um, soft plastics, soft plastic bugs and things like that. Um, I had heaps of people interested when I bought soft plastic crickets and was using them on my spinning gear. And mm -hmm. they're basically like a fly as well. Uh, you could use them on a fly rod if you wanted as a wet fly. Um, people had never really seen that before. And that's something, it's a very funny fishing technique because I'm not doing anything with the bait as I explained to a few people. I'm just casting the soft plastic cricket in 
and let it follow downstream. And if nothing eats it, I'll wind it back and repeat the process. And basically a fish see it, sees it comes past, sees the shape of a cricket and that's what they eat out there. So mm -hmm. it's, it's a really different technique. Once again, it's similar to that, how I was hand fly fishing sort of thing with the spinning reel. But now it's a matter of just letting the fake insect do the work basically and cast it out. It's a bit heavier than obviously some of the other flies I'm using. So I can cast at some distance and just cast into the rapids, let it float down. And yeah, it has some very strange results because at times it won't work at all. And other times it must be like they're really onto eating bugs. Obviously late afternoon is the best time for it. That's when the bugs start chirping. That's hatch like time, that. yeah. Yeah. So I know that this question is going to come up from somebody that listens to this if I don't ask it. So I have to ask it. You ever run into crocodiles out there? In my part of Australia, we definitely don't have crocodiles. So yeah, okay. uh, I've had people asking me before because they see me like hop into the water or something like that. And they're like, you must be crazy. You know what I mean? It's like, no, no. Okay, so I'm from the colder part of Australia. Once you move past the border into Queensland, they start getting some crocodiles up the top part of Queensland and right up north. Doesn't mean you won't ever see a crocodile here because I'll tell you what, a few years back, um, there was a freshwater crocodile uh, taken out of a waterway not far from me. Uh, but obviously this was a, a pet that someone wasn't supposed to have. And this obviously got too big for their house. So they thought they'll go chuck it in the river and not a good idea. I mean, no. they're not going to live here anyway. It's way too cold down my area. And one winter, that's it. The animal's dead. There's not enough heat mm -hmm. for a reptile to live in the water. Our reptiles here, like they go bury themselves way underground and things like that when winter hits to try and keep themselves warm. So obviously a crocodile is going to be stuck in the water and gets that cold or he's just going to shut down completely um so i think more concern here is like there was a few years back um someone not sure where it came from but someone actually uh, they confiscated an alligator from somewhere so that's oh, obviously man. not our not our species someone's yeah. got that here to our country and an alligator to me people say it wouldn't be a problem but look i think that our river here especially in new south wales the temperatures would be quite similar to you guys and yeah. um, even though it gets cold in the winter your alligators deal with temperatures a lot better than our crocodiles do and i know it gets cold over there and those alligators are almost in freezing water at times and they're still alive so you know a uh, few people making a big mistake uh, even just what they think is a small mistake could be mm -hmm. very costly like you know if that was two alligators that they found uh you know where's the eggs make yeah, if they make one nest, that, that could be it for the whole, you know. There was also, um, uh, to go along the lines of stuff like that, some people try to import some Wells catfish here as well. Oh, yeah, um, that's not good. Luckily, they were caught um, during transit because that's another thing that, you know, people, they don't use their brain and they think, oh, that'd be great to catch one. Yes, it would. But you put that fish in the river and I guarantee you within 10 years, maybe less, it'd be the only species we would have. They would mm -hmm. eat everything. Like that, I've seen them get to monstrous sizes, and they'd be able to yeah. eat a full-grown Murray cod if they really wanted to. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Wells catfisher, they are <laughs> they are predators. If nothing mm -hmm. else, they are predators, and they are giant. They are huge fish. Yeah, one of my favorite things on uh, YouTube that I've seen a while back was a guy. Uh, I think it's Karna's Ka fishing family or something. And he catches them on whopper ploppers over there. And that's what actually got me using whopper ploppers, um, seeing that action on the surface. And I was like, I wonder if anything here would actually take a whopper plopper because like I said, we don't sell them here. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, I thought I'll get my, my hands on one and see what happens. And sure enough, the first time actually taking the lure out, it caught a smaller species than I was actually planning on it catching. And I thought, okay, so that actually shows some of the aggression on our bass. Um, as I spoke to you before, a lot of people think, you know, the bass here aren't as aggressive, but at times they definitely, they just must have those days where they just switch on all of a sudden, everything's right. They hear bugs going, they see other fish feeding. Um, we have a freshwater mullet species here and, you know, they feed at the surface a lot and they'll jump around and splash. And a lot of the times when the bass start hearing that, I think they think, hey, we're feeding, like there must be food out there. So anything they see, they want to eat. Yeah, that, that, that sounds par for the course for me. 
<laughs> I, I, I was going to say, John, John's got more experience in the bass department than I do because he lives more in the bass zone. But yeah, sounds right. Yep. Well, Mick, dude, where can everybody find you? But before that, what are some of your plans uh, for the future of Bush Fish and Cook? Uh, all right. So future plans would obviously be along the lines of sort of what I said before. We want to go look for more species to show people. Um, some species like people have seen them on other channels so some of those species i will go target anyway like the murray cod and things because they're obviously an awesome species especially when they get over that meter mark like everyone loves to see a big meter cod especially if it's going to come up and hit a surface lure or something like that but uh, i have plans of like going to some of these more remote places that people don't really fish and uh, a lot of people would think oh, nothing lives there you know what i mean because it's so remote but after doing some research and really looking into it there's some of these creeks that i found they hold some species that uh, a lot of people have probably never, ever seen before, basically. Um, they're freshwater species, obviously. These are freshwater creeks high up in the mountains and things. And they actually just hold a few of those smaller sort of species, you know, 10 to 15 centimetre range. So we'll be using some very micro hooks and things like that. But that's something I want to do more of. Uh, we'll be doing some more cooks and things like that, of course. Um, I've had a few people ask about the cooks actually being bush fish and cook. Obviously people want to see the cooks. Um, I have a big thing about obviously still releasing fish. I love to see the fish go back. And if I've already caught the species and we've already done a cook, um, a lot of the time, I, you know, for a fair while, I might not do another cook on that species. We will revisit some of the fish species and go back and do another recipe or something like that. But yeah, basically along the lines of, I still like to see the fish go back at the end of the day as well. Um, yeah, main plans for the channel, really. Obviously, you can find the channel on YouTube at Bush Fish and Cook. Um, also on Instagram, but very new to Instagram as Bush Fish on there. So we, we dropped the cook on there because someone already had something quite similar to that name. So uh, yeah, we'll start up a Facebook and everything in the future. So they'll all get linked over to the channel and basically everything you'll be able to find through YouTube anyway. Because um, there will be the times where hopefully, you know, we get on that Instagram, we start posting some of the fish that I actually catch when I'm off camera. I mean, I don't take my camera every single day. I do have it with me a lot, but there's times where I pick it up, battery's dead. And I mean, I'm not going to let that stop me from fishing. So some, some species, you know, I've caught some bigger fish than I've ever showed in my videos before, simply because either the camera's died or I haven't had the camera with me. Um, but yeah, the idea is just to try and, you know, build, get more cameras and stuff like that as well. So we can put more angles into the videos and I'd like to see the channel grow big one day, but I mean, you just never know really. Uh, it, it, it can be a bit of luck. It can be a bit of skill, uh, can be all of the above. Uh, I started YouTube as not the most strongest speaker on a camera or anything like that. I was the sort of kid in school. They'd say, oh, we're doing a speech. And uh, I'd say, oh, I'm sick. I can't come to school today. <laughs> don't blame you so i mean i'm trying to get a bit more camera confidence and stuff like that also as well so this is a good way to do it i I've, um was supposed to do another podcast with someone a while back but actually um they ended up dropping out and i don't think they even have a channel anymore i, I don't remember the channel i was only at 500 subscribers back then and um yeah I, i'm liking doing this sort of stuff it gets you more used to just talking on camera and you know, mm -hmm. uh, that was something that I found hard at the start was actually being on camera myself. I was starting to do a channel where I wasn't really going to feature myself on it. And then I thought, oh, look, I mean, I go out there every day and I do work and I talk to customers. So what really is the difference? Um, I mean, obviously, at the end of the day, people are going to want to see who's doing the fishing and who's doing the cooking. So, mm -hmm. yeah, started trying to push myself a bit more after a couple of times going out not on camera. And I was like, you know, Let's just chuck it in there anyway and see what happens. So still building, of course, but yeah. Well, everybody, like I said, go go subscribe to his YouTube, Bush Fish and Cook. He's got some awesome stuff. I was, I was binge watching your videos today, Mick. And they're good, I dude. I, I, I really do enjoy them. And dude, thanks so much, honestly, for taking time out of your morning to come talk to us, dude. No drama at all. Uh, it was good being on. Like I said, um, good to try and like go into some different territories and 
it's um, actually helped a bit. Uh, by the time I started talking compared to where I started this morning, I was like uh, a little bit like, oh, where do I put my hands? What do I do? But now it's just like, yeah, it's really helpful just to get on camera. Like that's just a tip to anyone doing YouTube as well. Like mm -hmm. just keep recording yourself, even if you're not putting those videos out. There was one tip someone gave me ages ago and it's really increased my confidence. Sometimes I'll just sit there at home with my phone on record and I'll just record myself talking, like looking at the camera because uh, it's a good way to build up confidence that a lot of people don't really think of. So a little bit of a tip there for anyone else trying to do their own channel and things anyway. Mm -hmm. That's a great well, tip. Mick. Yeah. Well, Mick, you know, we really appreciate you taking the time. I know you want to get out fishing, do all that stuff. We appreciate oh, yeah. you taking that. <laughs> Uh, looks like to be about an hour and a half with us to talk to us about your channel and about yourself and introduce people to some uh, different fish than they're used to, especially in our listener base and audience. So really appreciate you coming on here and, and super cool to, to make your friendship. So uh, definitely yeah, looking awesome. forward to more stuff. Yeah, definitely. I'd be happy to come back on one day in the future if you ever want as well. So just let me know. Always there to reach out to and, you know. Oh, absolutely. We'd love to have you back after you smash that that sixty five centimeter cod. <laughs> we, we want one quite a bit bigger than that, though. You worry. Yeah. <laughs> well, once I get over a meter, we can't take them home for a cook. So you know, we want somewhere on that on that ninety five centimeter mark. It'd be nice for the first first one on film because I'd I'd love to take that first one home on film. You know what I mean? Just just mm -hmm. to show, hey, this is the first one we've caught in years. Yeah, take him home, try out a recipe and see how it goes and let you guys know how they taste. Um, especially they were one species that a lot of people don't realize. We almost didn't have that species here. Um, you know, when, when people first started settling here, they were taking them out of the rivers at like tons at a time. Um, oh, wow. They, yeah, that's how bad it was. And there was a time when they actually thought that they were extinct. They thought there's no more, that they're gone. And then a few started being found here and there. And that's when they really said, hey, all right, you can't catch them anymore. And they actually, they stopped it for years. You weren't allowed to target them um, at all. If you caught one, you had to release it as quick as possible, get it off your hook. And basically through breeding programs and stuff like that, that's one good thing that I will say, much as sometimes I'm against fisheries, um, I am with them with their breeding programs. They're doing well at breeding some of our native fish and getting them back into waterways at least. So as much as they're not the best with the pest species, they are helping with some of our native species in the ways that they think they can. But I think the best thing we could do is get rid of as many pests as we can. Mm -hmm. Well, everybody, Mick, Brian, thanks guys so much. It's been a pleasure. And you can find, once again, you can find Mick at Bush Fish and Cook. YouTube, uh, Bush Fish, is that correct, Nick or Mick? Excuse me for Instagram. Ah, uh, yep, that's right, Bush Fish. Yep. And you can find us at Working Class Fishing on all major social media platforms. Uh, if you have any inquiries, feel free to email us at uh, work uh, Working Class Fish at gmail .com. <clears throat> This episode has been brought to you by Troutlander Nets Exploration through Innovation. Max and Outfitters, made by anglers for people that fish, and lid rig, use your head, snip different. And until next time, everybody, thanks so much for listening.